This morning, I, I don't know if I said this earlier when I came up for communion, but I'm Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Connect. If you're visiting here this morning, if it's your first time, we're thrilled that you've chosen to join us. Thanks for coming. We've just come off this series called Beyond Ordinary. We've got the baptism next week, and I really felt that this would be a great morning to share a little bit of a challenge, something I've been thinking and praying about. So to set it up, I wanted to um, just take you back. Maybe you're um, a parent here this morning. Maybe you've had that moment where your kids have come home from school and they've told you a joke or they've, um, they've sung you a little song that they learned at school, maybe a rhyme that they learned during recess. And when, when they say that joke or when they do that rhyme, you're like... I used to do that when I was in grade school. I can't believe that's still around. I can't believe they're still, you know, because th- that was years ago when I was singing that, and still kids are singing it today. Isn't it crazy when that happens? And that's happened in our house. My kids have come home, and they've told me a joke or two, and I'm like, man, I remember telling that joke when I was a kid, and, and I lived in England. So not only is it still around, it's traveled the world. But, um, but even though I know the joke, I still let them tell me the whole thing, and I still laugh hilariously when I hear the punchline, um, because I, I know that when they're telling that joke, they're really excited about it because I can remember when I was nine years old I had this joke that I used to tell it was one of my first long jokes okay because I had lots of little jokes knock knock those kind of things they were on candy wrappers whatever it was but uh, I'd learned this long joke and it was a long joke that when I used to tell friends of my parents and my parents they would laugh adults would laugh at my joke I was like this is definitely a good one so I'm going to tell it this morning so it's about a guy, and uh, he's not the sharpest guy in the world, and he decides to go and get a job as a lumberjack, okay? So he's, he's got to cut down trees for a living. So he arrives first day on the job, and his boss gives him this chainsaw. He says, here you go. He goes, now, we just have one rule here in the, in the forest, and that is that you've got to cut down 100 trees a day. Guy goes, I can do that. Piece of cake. Off he goes, works through the whole day, comes back at the end of the day. His boss says, how'd you get on? He goes, 98. Boss is like, oh, buddy. Man, really, I should let you go because the rule is 100, but you are so close, and it's your first day. I'm going to give you another chance. Come back tomorrow, try again, see how you get on. The guy comes back the second day, uh, picks up his chainsaw, off he goes into the forest, comes back at the end of the day. The boss goes, well, how'd you get on? He's like, 99. He's like, oh, dude. Well, actually, when I told the joke, it would have been, oh, mate, because we don't say dude in England, but mate, you were so close. You, you got 98 yesterday, you're at 99. Ugh, really, I should let you go. 100 is what we need, but you seem to be getting better. Come back tomorrow, we'll give you one more chance, okay? So he comes back the next day, and uh, off he goes into the forest, chainsaw in hand. He comes back at the end of the day, he's tired, he's sweaty, he's exhausted. His boss says to him, how'd you get on? 99. He's like, oh, buddy. I don't think you're going to be able to do it. I mean, everyone here, they're doing at least 100. They're doing more. So I think I'm going to have to let you go. Mate, just before I fire, just before I send you home, let's, let's take a look at your chainsaw. Maybe, maybe it's not working right. So he passes over his chainsaw, and his boss kind of looks it all around, and then he pulls on the thing, and it starts up, and the guy goes, what's that noise? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the response I got from my parents' friends as well. And I thought it was because they really thought it was funny. Now that I'm older and I'm hearing the laugh this morning, I'm realizing, no, it wasn't really that good of a joke at all. But um, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> so the reason I tell that joke, okay, <laughs> there is a reason you'll be glad to hear, is that um, the, the silliness of the joke is that this guy's been out cutting down trees all day long with a chainsaw, not realizing that if you were to start the thing, it actually cuts a lot better. 
Some of you are now getting the joke for the first time. That, that was the idea of the joke. So, and we laugh at that because that's ridiculous. But in actual fact, I want to talk this morning a little bit about the Bible. I want to talk about this book right here, the Bible, because we've just come off the back of this series called Beyond Ordinary. And for about five or six weeks, we've talked about what it means to have beyond ordinary relationships, to live life differently. And we've learned a lot of really practical things that will help us to be more honest, to be more encouraging, to trust one another. But if we go out into our lives and all we apply is what we learned on that Sunday morning, all we apply is those simple truths, it's a bit like going out into a forest with a chainsaw and not realizing the power that's in it. Because God has given us this book that we can take away with us on a Sunday and on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday and Friday. We can be using this to find power, not just on a Sunday. But it's going to require us opening the pages of this book and spending some time reading it. And that's the challenge I want to bring to us this morning. It fits in well following this series, but let's be honest, it fits in well for all of us. If you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus... The challenge I want to give you is that this here is full of um, life and it's full of energy and it can help you grow as a follower of Jesus. And if you choose not to use it and choose just to listen to the 25 or 30 minutes of what we talk about on a Sunday morning and the verses that go up on the screen, then living your life as a follower of Jesus is going to be like living in a forest and trying to cut down the trees with a chainsaw that isn't even running. There is so much power that we have access to if we'll just open this book. Now, the amazing thing is, even while um, Jesus was alive, they would have had the scriptures to read. In the New Testament, as the church was beginning, they would have, they would have been talking about the scriptures and about the Bible. And Paul talks about this when he, he writes to one of his um, students, a guy by the name of Timothy, Timothy has taken charge of a church, and Paul's mentoring him. So in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, you can read about the conversations that Paul has with this young man, and he gives him lots of advice and lots of counsel. But listen to what he says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. He says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become, have become convinced of, because you know those from who you learned it. You see, Timothy was very fortunate. He grew up in a very godly family. His mother and his grandmother were both um, strong followers of Jesus, and they, they knew the word, and they, they read the word. So in his household, he'd, he'd come up understanding that. Paul says to him in verse 15, And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So Paul's saying, hey, listen, I know you know this, but it doesn't hurt to remind you of it. It doesn't hurt to, to reiterate this because you need to be passing this along to others. You've grown up with this. You, you were fortunate to have this growing up. But you need to be sharing this as you're building this church. You need to be telling others. Because, Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God, that's us, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul lays out these four things here to Timothy. He says, listen, this book here is fantastic. And it will be great. It'll help you grow as a follower of Jesus. But here's, here's really, if I could break it down into four things, if I had to summarize it, let me tell you what they are. It's teaching. So it'll show you what is right. It's, it's rebuking. So it's also going to show you what's not right. 
it's correcting. So it's, it's going to tell you how to get right. And it's training. So once you've got right, it's going to tell you how to stay right. And I love that. It's really simple. Paul just kind of breaks it down there into those four simple things saying, listen, this is what this book will do for you. It'll teach, rebuke, correct, train. It'll help you understand what's right. It'll help you understand what's not right. It'll help you get right. And it'll help you stay right. So I want to look at all four of those this morning in a little bit more detail. But I'll tell you up front that the bottom line where I'm headed for this morning is, is that you would leave here this morning thinking, Dave, you've convinced me. I think it will be good to, to spend some time on a regular basis reading from this book. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this a discipline in my life. I'm going to chisel out some time every day if I can or on a regular basis where I'm going to spend some time. It might just be a little bit at first, but I'm going to try and learn to, to, to understand more of this book. Not just rely on Sundays, but, but myself dig into it a little bit more. So let me use Paul's words here to, to explain this. And what I'm going to do is I bought this little treasure chest here with me this morning because I've got some props. And with each one of these four points, I'm going to introduce a visual aid because I want you this afternoon, because let's be honest, before you even get to lunch, you'll have forgotten some of what I've said. By the end of lunch, you'll have forgotten all of it. So I'm hoping that these visual aids this afternoon when you're thinking, I wonder if I should read the Bible, it'll take you back to at least one of those things and it'll help you remember what each one of those was. So my first visual aid when talking about teaching is an instruction manual. Okay, it's a manual. This is for a cell phone. And I don't know about you, but when it comes to new gadgets, uh, new things, okay, I'm the guy who I just cannot wait to try it out. So I get the box, I open it. If the manual's there, it's cast to the side. I'm firing that thing up. I'm fiddling. I'm trying to figure it out. Do you know who drives me nuts? And, and maybe you're here this morning. It's the people, and you've been waiting ages for this thing. It is so cool. And when you get it, you open the box, and you get the manual out, and you turn to page one. Okay. And you start to read. And you're like, dude, turn it on. Hold on, hold on. I've got to just read first. So you start working your way through the manual, page by page. And I'm like, come on. Just see what kind of pictures it takes. See what happens. Plug it in. Turn it on. See if it flies. Whatever it does, okay? But do something with it. Wait. I'm on page 77. It's the warranty information. I want to make sure, you know, and you're working your way through the manual. Me, I just, I, and it's, it's a curse because I'll, I'll have a digital camera and six months into it, I'll find out there's a flash. I'm like, awesome. I can take pictures at night. This is great. If I'd have just read the manual, I'd have known that a long time before. Now, this manual, incidentally, I bought is for a cell phone. Casey, my incredible wife, she's been uh, helping me out this last week. We've been having a bit of a cleanup around the house and she's been working through my uh, old files and some of my old uh, filing systems. And it's been quite the task because... Uh, when you find out that this is one of the manuals that she found, it's for the phone that's about to appear up on the screen there. It's my Samsung SCH 3500. Uh, if you're here in middle school this morning, you're looking up at that thinking, is that a phone? It is. It is. It's, it's a smartphone. Uh, what's smart about it is that flap opens and closes. It's amazing. It really is. And uh, it has a lot of features. You can make calls with it. Uh, you can send texts with it. Yeah, that's about all it does. So um, back in the day, that's what phones did, okay? So, uh, but believe it or not, that little thing there came with a manual that is 108 pages long. I mean, how long does it take to understand that I can call someone or I can text someone? But they went into every piece of information. Listen here, on page 199, there's a whole page here to help you use your phone while driving. 
It explains here how, how I can really use my phone when driving. So focus on driving, not talking. That's great advice. Thanks, cell phone uh, provider there. So, um, but this manual is like every manual that comes with, with gadgets we have. You know, you can use them without having read the whole manual. That helps to read it, but you don't have to have read it. That's what I love about the Word of God. I can remember we've got this baptism service coming up next Sunday, and I can remember our last baptism service back in February, sitting down with a family who are new to Connect. They've been coming for about um, five or six months, ever since the launch, and I'd just seen God at work in their lives. I'd seen the, the husband in particular, God had really changed his life, and he was just, you know, on a regular basis, he would come and tell me something else that God was, was doing in him or his family's life, and he would tear up when he would tell me about what God was doing. When it came time for the baptism service, Case and I, they invited us over to their house, and he sat down and he goes, Dave, I really want to get baptized, but I don't think I can. I said, why not? He said, well, because there's so much I don't understand. I try to read this book, and it's so confusing. And, and I said, well, listen, do you, do you believe in God? Yeah, I do. Do you love God? Oh, so much. Has he made a difference in your life? He's changed my life completely, the life of my family. We are a different family altogether. I said, then you can get baptized. You don't have to understand everything in this book before you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You don't have to understand everything in this book before you get baptized. Now, let me tell you, there's a lot of great stuff in this book, like any manual that will teach you and will help you get more out of your life of following Jesus. But I love that you don't have to understand and read and, and get all of it before you can take that first step. And maybe you're here this morning and that's something you've been hung up on. You, you want to follow Jesus. You want your life to be different, but there's still so many questions you've got and still so much you don't understand. But that's the wonder about what Paul's teaching here, that yes, this is great for teaching, but like me, you don't have to read the whole manual if you understand what God has done for you, if you understand why we took communion earlier, Jesus can change your life. And from there, you can grow as you read this book. Now, it is a great book, and it's full of a wealth of teaching. In Psalms 119, 105, the psalm writer says this. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I love that idea that this journey that we're on in life, this path that every one of us is taking, as sometimes it can be confusing, it can be dark, it, we can have uncertain times ahead, but he says that this book is like a lamp unto my feet, like a light unto my path, that God wants to use the teaching in this book to help you live your life, to help in every area of your life. But you don't need to read the whole manual before you get to use it. So that's the first thing, is, is teaching. The second thing that Paul said, he says, teaching what is right, but he also talked about rebuking what is not right. So for that, I bought a mirror with me, okay? I've got this mirror right here. I could have some fun with it and the light's up there. And, uh... But here's why I chose a mirror for the, to, to illustrate the idea of rebuking. Listen to what James says. James is the brother of Jesus. He wrote a book in the New Testament, and he says this. He says, anyone who listens to the word... But does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So, so James is saying here, listen, anyone that looks into this intently, anyone who looks at this like a mirror, 
and doesn't ignore what they see, doesn't forget what they see, they will be changed. Because you see, that's what mirrors were designed to do, to show you, you. Now, I'll be honest here, it, it would be nice if when you looked in your mirror that, that you saw something different. What about if you had a mirror and it showed you an image of what you could look like? Or what if you had a mirror and whenever you looked in it, it showed you um, what someone else looks like? That would be nice. I think for some of us, you know, like those fairground mirrors that when you stand in front of them, they kind of make your body look really tall or really wide. I want a fairground mirror that does the opposite, that when I look in the mirror, it looks different. And some of us might like that, but the reality is, if that was the case, then that wouldn't be doing what a mirror was designed to do. Because a mirror is designed to be real, to show you exactly who you are, to show you that that piece of food has been stuck in your teeth for several hours now, <laughs> to show you that that hair is, is standing up and, and you need to flatten it down, that that shirt really shouldn't be worn with those pants. That's what a mirror is designed to do. And in the same way, the Word of God is like a mirror to the believer. It reveals the errors in our lives. It shows us where there are errors of our lives that don't match up to the standard that God has for us all. Let me give you a really practical example here. Let's say you take me at my word today and you decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. You know, I've read the Bible a little bit here and there, but I'm going to try and do what Dave's told me. And, and I'm going to try each day this week to read a little bit of the Bible. So you, you set off and you choose Matthew, let's say, because that's a, a good place to start. It's one of the books talking about Jesus, and uh, it's the first one of the four. So I'm going to start with Matthew, and you're, you're six days in. And on day six, you go to work, and there's someone who just really bugs you. They really start to, to get on your nerves and do some stuff. And, and you're like, I'm... This person's driving me nuts. And driving home, you're thinking about it, and you're like, I'm gonna, I can't wait to get to work tomorrow. I'm gonna tell all these people about what this person's doing, and I'm gonna, and, and you're having these conversations, and you're figuring out all that you're gonna do to, to complain. Maybe you'll complain to your coworkers, maybe you'll make sure to tell everyone else what a nuisance they are and the problem that they've got. And the next morning before leaving for work, it's time for Matthew chapter seven, and you open it up, and verses one to three say the following Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. This is Jesus talking here. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And as you're reading that verse, it's like a mirror being held up to your face. And it's, it, suddenly it's the rebuke of you thinking, you know what? That's me. I was going to go in today. I was going to let them know exactly what I thought about that speck in their eye. What a problem it's causing me and how much of a nuisance it is. I was going to tell everyone, have you seen that speck in their eye? Oh, it's such a nuisance. And suddenly God's reminding me, you know what? You've actually got a plank in your eye. Maybe you need to be working on that. And that's what happens. And it amazes me. I've been following Jesus for years. And, and there are verses that I'll read that sometimes I might have read dozens of times before. But just there'll be something going on in my life. And I'll read that portion. I'll read that verse. I'll read that section. And it speaks right into a situation. And it does just that. I, I've got to be honest. I don't enjoy it. But it rebukes. It's a challenge. And sometimes it's, it can sting. But, but that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen. At times, this is great for teaching. At times, it's essential for rebuking, correcting us, helping to, us to remember, oh, I shouldn't do that. So that's the, the second thing. Like a mirror, we look in the Word, and it shows us sometimes things that we don't want to see, but really we do need to see so that we can, we can change. 
which leads perfectly into the third one, which is correcting. You see, Paul also says that um, the Bible, not only does it teach rebuke, but it also corrects. The Bible can, can correct us at times. And you might be here this morning and think, well, Dave, how is rebuking any different than correcting? Well, I'm going to use this compass to, to help me as a visual aid this morning because there is a difference between rebuking and correcting. And I was thinking about this and I was praying about it, trying to think of, you know, just exactly what that is. And here's the, here's the idea I came up with, and it'll be in the context of the, the Jane households, the Jane family. So I have two sons, Ben and Will, uh, great kids, both of them, and uh, they have an Xbox that they often play together. So uh, sometimes it'll be just peace and quiet. They're downstairs having a great time, and then other times you'll hear a squeal or a shriek, and up they come, and there's like, oh, you're like, what's going on? Ben will say, Will threw the controller at my head. Okay, so, uh, so a rebuke is will. Don't throw the controller at your brother's head. <laughs> That's not the right thing to do, okay? A rebuke is will. You mustn't do that again. Now, to correct is to try and find out why Will felt it necessary to throw the controller at his brother's head. So now we start talking, and it turns out that Ben isn't letting Will score, or Ben's using a cheat or something. I don't know. I don't get video games. But something's going on, and, and Will is you know, getting uh, frustrated by Ben, and Ben's doing something. And, uh, and I'll say to Ben, hey, Ben, why don't you let Will score a goal? Will, why don't you uh, find some other way of expressing your frustration than throw in something heavy and hard at your brother's head? <laughs> you know, so, so that's correcting. That's, that's taking a moment and saying, listen, rather than just dealing with it here, I want to change a pattern of behavior. I want to speak into your situation so this doesn't happen again. That's what correcting is. And Paul's saying, listen, there are times where this will correct you. Because it's not just a rebuke, okay, I did this wrong, I knew I shouldn't do it, but I did it anyway, and I know what the Bible says, and God's reminded me that I shouldn't do that. Correcting is, you may not even be aware of this, you may not even see this as a situation or a problem in your life, and then one day you read the scriptures, and it shows you something, and you're like, God, thank you for showing me that, because that's going to help correct the way I live my life. And it may just be a tiny thing. But that correction in the way you live your life can have huge implications throughout the rest of your life. And here's why, and here's why I chose to use a compass to illustrate the importance of allowing this book to correct you when you read it. Because you may think that's just a tiny thing. But let me explain how that can change over the course of your life. If you were to get on an airplane today, that plane would take off and it would fly towards its destination. And once the pilot had done everything he needed to do to get up in the air, he would switch to autopilot. And then there are two instruments that for the majority of the flight work together hand in hand. That's the autopilot and the global positioning system, the GPS. So, for, for example, let's say that you've got on a plane in Chicago, and obviously you're headed to London, because, I mean, where else would you want to go? So, um, you're flying to London, okay? As soon as you're out over the Atlantic, in fact, before that, as soon as you're up in the air, these two instruments are talking to each other, because they know where you've got to go. So, any time that plane is off course, according to the GPS, then the autopilot will make a correction to get it back on course. Let me tell you why that's important. Imagine if you were just one degree off. I mean, I could show you here, if you could get up close on this compass, how much one degree is. It really isn't much. In fact, if I was to turn here on stage one degree, you would probably not even notice the change I'd made. But what happens over time if you're only one degree off? Well, if you fly into London, you'll miss it by 60 miles. London's 4,000 miles away. If you're off by one degree, you'll miss London by 60 miles. That's a problem, because 60 miles outside of London is the ocean. 
You don't want to land in the ocean. You want to land in London. Believe me, you do want to land in London. It's great. And that's just one degree. If you're flying to the moon, you'd miss it by 4,000 miles. And sometimes we think, well, really, does it make much difference? You know what? Just a slight correction of you, as you read the Word of God, just a slight correction in your life, something that causes you and challenges you to live just a little bit differently, can have a huge impact. Or flipped around by not correcting, can take you 4,000 miles from where God wants you to be. So this is a great book, not just for rebuking, but for correcting. Because sometimes in our lives, we need some course correction. Sometimes we could be going one way and we could think, well, I'm sure this is right. I'm sure this is, I think I remember Dave speaking about this or a preacher once talking about this. I think that's the way. But because we've not got into this book ourselves, we're going to what we think and not what this book teaches. And we may just be one degree off, but that one degree over the course of time can have huge implications. The last one Paul talks about. He talks about teaching and rebuking and correcting. And the last thing he says is that it's also used to train us in righteousness. The Bible is a great tool in training in righteousness. So what he's talking about there is, listen, once you've corrected, this helps you stay right. This helps you stay the course. This helps you grow and understand who God made you to be and how he wants you to live your life. So what does that mean, training in righteousness? That's kind of a, a bit of a complex phrase there. But it literally, what it literally means, the original language, it means the training of a child. The word they use there, the verb is the same that they would use when you're raising a child. So when they're saying training in righteousness, it's talking about the way you'd raise a child. And righteousness would be the way we live our lives as, as followers of Jesus. So the, the prop I brought along for that to help illustrate that is, is this. It's one of the little pink spoons that we used to feed Emma seven years ago. Emma is seven years ago. So uh, when she was a baby and she started to eat um, food, solid food, I can remember days where I would have this and I'd be scooping up the baby food and along comes the train or the airplane or whatever it might be, you know, and just trying to get, her, get this into her mouth and then, you know, kind of wiping. And, and for several years, this went on where we would feed Emma like this because she was an infant. But there came a time in her life, as there does in every infant's life, where she wanted to turn of doing it herself. So when she was um, one or two or three, whatever, well, was she... <laughs> Yeah, she was, whenever it was, she got to that point. I just remember it happening, okay? So there was a point where she's like, I want to do this. But here's the thing. She hadn't fully grasped it yet. She hadn't fully understood the way her arm turned at the wrist and the elbow. So she was at that point where maybe like a bowl of Rice Krispies, why we were feeding her Rice Krispies, I don't know. But, you know, she's got a spoonful of Rice Krispies, and as they're coming up to her mouth, rather than the spoon kind of staying level, you know, the whole arm's tipping. So by the time it gets to her mouth, and if you're a parent of a small baby, you know, you know this, it's, some of it goes here, and the rest basically goes all over here. And everything in you as a parent wants to go, give me that spoon. This is ridiculous. What a mess. I'm going to feed you for the rest of your life, because you're really not getting the hang of this. You're, you're three, and I, it's not looking good. So today we go out to lunch, you come with us, and there's seven-year-old Emma just sat there, you know, and Dad's still shoveling the food into her mouth. You'd be like, uh, dude, <laughs> that's kind of weird. But that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, listen, there comes a point where you can't just rely on someone feeding this to you. You've got to learn to eat yourself. Listen to what he says. There's a couple of different passages that really illustrate this well. In, in Hebrews chapter 5, this one, it says, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. 
In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. In the same way, as worried as you would be if you met a child who was seven, eight, nine, ten years old and their parents were still feeding them, you should be worried if you're, if you're a new follower of Jesus and you're still relying on, on the 20 or 30 minutes that you get here on a Sunday morning. Because there comes a time where you have to start eating solid food and getting into this book yourself. And it'll be messy, just like it was with Emma, because you'll open it up at a, at a page and you'll think, well, I'll start here. And you'll read a couple of verses. You'll be like, what was that about? You'll start looking at it and you're like, I just do not understand that at all. And it's difficult, but, but it's, it's, it's the stage we have to go through to learn to grow as followers to become more spiritual. And here's why it's important. This is what Paul said to the Ephesians. He's writing to the followers there of Jesus in, in Ephesus. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. He's saying, listen, here's the danger of being an infant. You know what's going to happen to you? You are going to be tossed back and forth by the waves. You're going to be blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. You know, if you're not familiar with what this book has to say, there's a lot of people out there who know just a verse or two and are saying things that don't actually line up with this. But because we're still infants, we're blown backwards and forwards and we're buying into this and buying into that and, and we're not weighing it up, we're not measuring it against what this book has to say. So you may be here this morning and, and this is new to you and you have to kind of start from scratch. You may have been here and you are, you've been following Jesus for years. Maybe you read this book on a regular basis. But this morning as I'm speaking, you're thinking, you know, when was the last time I set myself a challenge? When was the last time I pushed myself to do a little bit more? Yeah, I do read this, but you know what? I've got into the habit of just reading it because that's what I've always done. Maybe I need to read it with a fresh perspective. Maybe I need to read a different part. Maybe I need to read a part that I always avoid and, and see if I can go deeper. But if you're here this morning and this is new to you, the idea of reading this by yourself, the idea of reading this outside of a Sunday morning, then for you, maybe this morning it's setting a challenge saying, okay, I'm going to start. And here's the thing, so we, 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 we sat next to Paul here this morning, we listened to what he had to say, and we learned that this is good for teaching, it's good for rebuking, it's good for correcting, it's good for training in righteousness, so I would hope that you're here this morning going, Dave, you've won me over, I think this is great, I, I'm all in, I want to read it, you've convinced me, that's, that's a good plan, I do want to read more of what the scripture teaches, but here's the thing, I've tried it's hard work. I, I can remember thinking, I'm going to get into this. And I started at the very beginning in Genesis. And the first part was really cool. It was like creation and Adam and Eve. And there was animals. And, and then I got to a bit about an ark. And that was pretty exciting, you know. And, and then suddenly I found myself in like some really heavy stuff. Then I'm in Leviticus. And it's telling me how I should live in the desert and rules on hygiene. I'm like, what's this about? Maybe you started reading it like you'd read a normal book. You know, start to page one and start walking through. But this isn't a normal book like that. This is a collection of different letters and, and psalms and, and songs and, and all sorts of teaching prophecies. And to read it like a, a book is going to be difficult. But don't let that put you off. Get back in because there's, there's a great message in this book. 
The simple message that's woven throughout every page of this book is the one that we celebrate this morning when we took that bread and we took that wine together. It's that God understands that man is separated from him. In that very beginning couple of pages, we learned that because God gave us free will, we chose to eat from the tree that we shouldn't have done. It introduced what the Bible calls sin into the world. I told the people in the baptism class this last Wednesday night, I said, you know what? I've got three fantastic kids. I love every one of them. But you know what? I've never had to teach any of them to be naughty. They just figured it out. Some of them are really good at it. And that's because every one of us was born into this world where sin separates us from God. So this book is full in the Old Testament of the, the people looking towards the hope, the Messiah, the Savior that would one day come. And then the opening part of the New Testament in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we meet this Messiah. We meet Jesus, the promised one, the Son of God. And then we find out at the end of every one of those accounts of his life that, that he dies, but that he rises again. And from that point on, he, the church is born. Those apostles, they go out and they, they start to spread the, the great news about Jesus around the world at the time. And here we sit 2,000 years later, and because of what Jesus did, we're sat in church today. And that whole message is tied up in every single page of this book. Either the telling of Jesus' coming or the account of his arrival. So there is a simple message in this book, but how do we find that simple message when sometimes it seems so confusing? So here's what I want to do. To close out this morning, I want to give you a few practical tools that will help you dig deeper into the Word of God. So if you're here this morning and you've got younger children, maybe right now they're next door in Connect Kids, at the end of every service, they get given a, um, a, a weekly devotional guide. It's called their God Times. This week it's gratitude. There's four sections because we know that, listen, if your family is anything like mine, if you gave me seven, I'd never get them all done. But four, I think I can get through four in a week, okay? With sports and different things, I can probably get through four. So we as a family, this is kind of a bedtime routine. Uh, when it's time for Emma's bed, we'll, we'll sit together and Sometimes the boys join us as well, and, and we'll go through one of these. And normally it's just reading one or two verses, and then it's kind of laid out. And, and you know what? If you're here this morning, and you're a new follower of Jesus, here's what's really cool. You'll do this with your kids. They'll say, thanks, Mom and Dad. That was really cool. You'll leave the bedroom. You'll be like, that was really cool. I didn't know that. That was really helpful. That helped me understand a little bit more about the Bible. And that's okay. It's broken down into a way that a child could understand it. So you are going to get it, and you're going to enjoy it. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a teenager. Maybe you're in middle school or high school and you want to learn because you know that you want to read the Bible, but again, it's still kind of confusing. My boys did some devotionals recently called Know God. And I've actually put a link to where you can buy this book on the Connect Church Facebook page. And it's brilliant. I loved watching them read this book because what it did was it said, listen, I'm going to take what's in this book, but I'm going to break it down for you. And there'll be some passages in here that will help explain how that pertains to you as a middle schooler. How you can apply what this book teaches in your life as a high schooler. And it's hard sometimes just to pick this up and understand it. But this will take you to some verses in here. But then it will explain how you can apply those verses in your life. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're an adult and you're like, I need help. There's great resources. There's a store in town in, in Peoria called Berean. You can go there. They sell devotional books that you could read alongside the Bible. Um, you can buy books online. But what I'd recommend, if you've never come across this online uh, resource before, is a, a thing called YouVersion or the Bible app. 
is brilliant. And again, there's a link to this on the Connect Church Facebook page. You can check this out when you get home today. And what I've done is the link will take you straight to the section called Reading Plans. There are hundreds of reading plans on this software. And what they do is they give you the option. You could have a plan that lets you read through the New Testament in a month. Or there's a plan that lets you read through the New Testament in a year to make it more manageable. There's one that you can read through the whole Bible. There are others that are more of a devotional. So you'll read a couple of verses, then an author or a pastor or a leader, different people who have submitted um, devotionals to this particular software will kind of unpack it for you. So you'll read a bit of the Bible, and then that particular um, person will say, now, here's what this kind of means, and here's how you can apply this in your life. And you can check it off on the box, and, and every day when you wake up, there'll be a new one there ready for you to read. Check out these resources. They're there to help you. Email us, contact us. If you're like Dave or Alicia or one of the leaders here in the church, Kyle, well, you know, I really don't know where to start, and we'll help you. We may be able to set you on the right path, but, but do something. Whether this is brand new to you, whether you're, um, you've been following Jesus all your life and you're ready for a new challenge, do something because this really is the chainsaw that every one of us has in our hands. But some of us are going to work every day hacking our way through the forest, not realizing that all that God's got to help us through life is in here. And we're relying on just a little bit on a Sunday morning. So I want to challenge you this week to dig deeper, and uh, I believe God will show himself more to you as you, as you go into this, into this book. Let's pray together. Father, thanks so much, Lord, that you sent Jesus to die for us, that when he rose again, you sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, Lord, that we can have that real relationship with you. But Lord, not only did you send the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, you left us your word. This book that has been written over thousands of years by dozens of different people in different cultures, different areas. But God, you brought it all together into one book that teaches us how to live our lives, that shows us at times what we need to learn, shows us at times what we need to change or be rebuked in, Lord, areas we need to correct ourselves, and, and overall just trains us in righteousness. We don't want to be like infants, Lord. We want to grow and become more like you, become more of the person you create us to be. So help us, Lord, to, to just carve out a little bit of time. It might be five minutes, it might be 10 minutes, but just help us to have that discipline to say, I'm gonna make time every day to get into this book because I believe that God's going to use it to help me become uh, the person he created me to be. Help us this, in this, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.